Welcome to the BLT and T podcast. I'm Sandy Castro, the president and co-founder of IC Stars. And the BLT podcast is um, business, leadership, and technology over tea in a podcast. <laughs> Uh, so we'll have several episodes over time with amazing leaders who are either uh, business gurus, leadership geeks, or technology aficionados. And all of them will have one important thing in common. Well, two, actually. They see stars, and they're about to have a wonderful pot of tea. everybody, welcome back to the BLT and T. And we have a really special guest today here with us, uh, Nicole Desan. Um, we've just figured out our, our people math that it's been almost 10 years since yeah. we met back in the days of Accenture mm -hmm. um, during our TEP, uh, short for the Explicit Playbook um, project. And so, again, we're so happy to have you here. Um, Nicole does lots of great things, but she is the founder and president of Talent Imperative. And for fun, as if she doesn't have enough to do, she is also one of the founders of HR Disrupt Chicago. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about both things. Um, and we're really excited to have you here. So let's start out by saying, how was tea? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, and actually, uh, as you talked about the Accenture project, I was reminded that the BLT was kind of an outcome of that project, right? That's exactly um, right. We came up with a business leadership technology BLT. So yeah. glad to see that that's made it into a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so um, hi T. I think I've done these now, I don't know, a number of times, and I have to say, you know, I think one of the purposes is maybe that the students get guidance and, and be inspired. But for me, honestly, I walk away being inspired. So I hear the stories of these incredible professionals, and I'm, I'm so touched and I'm so humbled, and I always feel like, what can I add to the discussion? You know, I can learn so much from them. But one of the stories from last time really stuck with me. Um, during the summer, I had the fortune to facilitate our Design Your Career workshop for IC Stars interns. And what that is, is it uses design thinking methods for people to think about how they might reimagine re their career. So we did it over the summer, and one of the interns said to me, she said, you know, I don't know if you get um, feedback a lot, uh, but I wanted to let you know that that workshop truly changed my life. Oh, wow. And um, to me, that is one of the greatest things as a, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can have that kind of impact on people. Yeah. Um, so that was very moving for me. Of course. That's what it's all about, right? Life-changing transformation. So, so what was it that really resonated with her in the design thinking workshop? You did? Yeah, so what she said, so we do a number of exercises, but one that resonated especially with her was the one around reframing failure. Mm -hmm. So especially when we think about uh, our careers or our lives, 
you know, what seems to stick with us psychologically is when we fail. Mm-hmm. Um, those things we remember more than the things when we succeed for some reason. Absolutely. And so when it comes to career and we experience maybe um, rejection over and over, you apply for a job, you get rejected. So you end up playing this record in your head, you know, around failure. I'm a failure, right? So we do, we do exercises around um, how you can reframe failure and really look at it as part of that. So failure and experimentation is an integral part of design thinking. So mm-hmm. if we put ourselves in, in, in the shoes of thinking like a designer and you know look at it that way, it becomes part of the process versus, hmm, yeah, be, I am being a failure, right? Mm-hmm. So if, mm-hmm. if you see a part of the process instead of that you yourself are a failure and you can't get beyond that. It's, it's fascinating because I, I think about, you know, our folks at IC Stars, mm-hmm. right? Like we are finding the brightest, most talented, and more, most importantly resilient mm-hmm. folks who have faced adversity and come through the other side. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that is very hard for us to sort of acknowledge and speak is about failure, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're used to being like the smartest person in the room, the one who does everything right, the sort of AP girl and you know and all those things we're very reluctant to talk about our failure mm-hmm. but we certainly internalize it yeah. um, and I can see where that would be huge for someone at IC stars to go through that design thinking workshop with you and really you know reframe what failure is mm-hmm. um, so gosh thank you <laughs> well, that, that was wonderful so tell us a little bit more about HR Disrupt. I, I have to, you know, full disclosure, I did the lightning talks in, in the first mm-hmm. go-round mm-hmm. and had a blast. Mm-hmm. So many awesome speakers. And I work with you guys sometimes on kind of thinking through mm-hmm. what's next. Um, and I, I enjoy every second of it. And so tell us a little bit more about HR Disrupt. Yeah. What do you love about it? How's it going? Yeah. So Disrupt HR has at this point more than 100 chapters globally. Um, and I learned about it about three years ago. And um, there were two things that happened. On the one hand, I was frustrated by the pace of change that the HR industry is going through. Um, you know, we have rapid changes in the business environment, but HR usually lags behind. And there's all sorts of reasons for that. Um, on the other hand, there is this innovation ecosystem in Chicago, a Chicago Innovation, 1871, yeah. what you guys are doing, quite frankly. Whenever I go there, I feel so inspired. So I'm like, what if we could get the spirit into the world of HR? So when I learned about Disrupt HR, I'm like, oh, I want to speak that. It sounds fun. So what it is, it's an essence TED Talk style mm-hmm. um, for HR. So anybody who has anything to say about the future work, we do it in a sort of fun environment. We usually are at 1871. Um, so that's when I decided to found the chapter here in Chicago three, three years ago because there wasn't one here. Mm-hmm. Um, because I felt inspired and that it could bring together a community. I wasn't sure if there was an interest at all. We weren't sure what to expect at all. And we were sold out right at the first event. So that's when Sandy spoke. Um, 250 people and a wait list of 100 people. And that's 
what we have till this day. Um, Which, we, by the way, is unheard of, right? To have your first right. event out the door with a hundred-person waiting list, right? And also in the HR space. So I, I, some people refer to it like you know, in HR rock concert or you yes. know, the hottest ticket in town. I'm like, people, this is HR, you know. But it is though. It's like a rock concert, is, and that was my hope that it would re-inspire the profession mm-hmm. uh, and the not only HR professionals but leaders, because to me, talent and the the future work is not an HR topic anymore. Mm. Uh, you know, we need to work everybody together to to make changes there. So, um, and what we've done, we've added now is sort of once we got people all excited with this kind of engaging format, we've added new programming. So our HR hackathon is um, using design thinking to solve an HR challenge. So we have 50 people and we have, you know, ideation tables and we facilitated ideation style. So we go a click deeper into some problems that HR faces, like we've hacked diversity recruiting, employee engagement, flexible work, and actually in two weeks, we have another one where we're going to tackle um, first-time supervisor or manager enablement yeah, or awesome. empowerment. So, yeah, so we're, we're building on, on, on the initial excitement and trying to add value and really pushing HR leaders not only on the topics we talk about, but the methods we use. So design thinking is very new in the HR space, for example. Um, and also by, you know, the people we put on stage, quite frankly. We were 70% women speakers that we put on stage, and we were very intentional about not just what we say, what we feature, but also representation. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> and And really, it is the rock, the rock concert. Or, yeah, I mean, it really, it was like blood-pumping, energizing, like uproarious laughter and deep thinking. Um, and, and that brings me to, you know, <clears throat> every touch point I've had with HR Disrupt has been incredibly smart, um, just well thought out and challenging, challenging the way we think about things, um, much to, you know, what you were saying. It's, it's, it's a profound difference from sort of our mother's HR, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, it is very, very cutting edge and exciting. Good. And this is all a labor of love. This is a nonprofit, and nobody's getting paid, but you guys are just killing it. Um, So tell me about, you know, if this is your labor of love, (laughs) what is Talent Imperative? Yeah, Talent Imperative is how I pay the bills. Um, So that's a, um, a talent experience design consultancy. So what we do there is we use design thinking, to craft talent experiences. Mm-hmm. So what that means is we do workshops, ideation workshops with HR leaders. We run talent sprints. So applying the five-day sprint method mm-hmm. to talent challenges. We do talent experience consulting. And then our two newest programmings are the Design Your Career workshops. Mm-hmm. So we bring that workshop, what I mentioned earlier, we bring that workshop. Companies can hire us to deliver that workshop to their employees because nowadays... Um, the challenge is 10 years are shorter and shorter. I think two to three years is the average tenure. And, mm. and companies have to reinvent how they inspire and engage their employees and think about career development, which yeah. is not necessarily always hierarchical anymore. So again, this is a way to do that. And then our lead by design is applying design thinking to leadership coaching, but we call it sparring because it's an exchange of equals um, and applying design thinking methods for how you can be the best leader 
possible. I, I believe there's no good leaders or bad leaders. I believe there's only human leaders. Mm. Everybody who has been a leader knows it's the hardest job in the world, but also the best job in the world. Um, but by applying some design thinking principles, we can learn to be more empathetic mm-hmm. um, and more collaborative um, in that journey as well. So that's what we do. Awesome. <laughs> that, that sounds like a labor of love too, Nicole. It is. <laughs> it's so good. So you have a full plate, right? Like that's, I don't know how you make it all work. But, um, well, let's, let's... I'm a workaholic. Full disclosure. <laughs> That's My not a good Sandy thing. My name is Sandy, and I'm a workaholic <laughs> as well. <laughs> That's nothing to be proud of, kids. <laughs> you know, it's, workaholism is the one <clears throat> addiction that you get celebrated for. You do. And, but now I think we've gotten to a reckoning. And, and I have been pre-burnout. You know, that's when I left the corporate, corporate world. And mm-hmm. talking about failures, I don't think that that was a failure. But that was my personal reckoning that I love work and I love what I do. Mm-hmm. But at some point, they can come at a price. Yeah. Because you are your harshest critic. You are the one who always pushes you to the limit. And then in corporate America, quite frankly, that gets reinforced. Yeah. Right? And celebrated. You get promoted. Celebrated. You get paid for it. So it's very hard to recognize that that might become a problem because you love it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's sort of a double-edged sword. But at one point, I didn't realize it and then decided to try the entrepreneurial route, (laughs) which has its own challenges. But... um, and you, and I have to say you're 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 built for this. You're a natural. Um, so you. speaking of natural, this is the worst segue ever. But let's talk about science. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So you know, many of our listeners are are very. Um, they love the, the, the proton, neutron, and electron uh, metaphor mm-hmm. from my days as a science teacher. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the proton is the first person who's very positive. They see the glasses half full. They are the cheerleader, the one who gets everybody all revved up um, and, and, and good advice when people are down, right? And the downside of being a proton is that oftentimes they see people for their potential versus who they are today. Mm-hmm. And for all of that positive energy that they're putting into the universe, at times um, when they are feeling a little down and they turn to everybody else and say, you know, um, I'm, I'm upset, people are like, oof, I don't know what to tell you, cheer up, you know, like, so <laughs> they're putting all this into the ener- energy into this environment and sometimes um, they can get disappointed. Mm-hmm. Now, snuggled up with them in the nucleus is the neutron, right? So the po- they have positive and negative. They're the person who says... I've got good news and bad news. You know, they, they have the pros and cons list. They're always about balance. Um, and they're good folks to have around because they help you think through things. The downside to being a neutron is that mm, they're horrible friends to go shopping with. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they get like Hamlet's disease, you know, uh-huh. to be or not to be. And like, should I have it or should I not? You know, um, a little bit of analysis paralysis mm-hmm. may set in. But they make a good pair because, you know, the proton inspires, whereas the neutron can protect. Mm-hmm. Um, now, orbiting around the outside is the electron. They would never say they're negative. They would say, I'm realistic, right? The glass is half empty. Why say it's full? You're just going to get disappointed. 
They're also the person who says, carpe diem, seize the day, because tomorrow isn't promised, right? And so why put off until tomorrow what you could do today? They're great photographers because they can see the negative space and, and really be able to balance that negative and, and positive space. Um, and they're great at actuary science, at project management, like really anything that, that has to, to mitigate risks and be able to identify those risks. Mm-hmm. So where are you today? You know, are you the proton, the neutron, or the electron? So I think my natural tendency is probably being the electron. And I also, you know, when my, my husband, so I'm German. <laughs> I blame it on that. Uh, my husband is American and he sometimes, usually when he says to me, you're so German, it means <laughs> negative. You know, I tend to view it as realistic, as you said. Yeah. The electron usually sees themselves as a realist, right? Um, uh, you know, call a spade a spade. I'm a very direct communicator. I'm a driver personality. So I think all those things go. I am a project manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think all those things go together. But I think as a leader, sometimes you have to flex to these other styles, right? Not to be inauthentic, but you do have to inspire your team. And if you're always, you know, because you can be perceived as negative, right? So you got to, got to, um, judge the moments when your team needs yeah positivity and vision and 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 then also have some neutron qualities in terms of you know being a balanced Mm -hmm. um, presence Mm -hmm. for your team right you can't be all just you know high one day down the other day and I mean you got to be got to be there for the team so it's kind of it's being self-aware enough that you can, um, hopefully, I mean, it's, it's, that's why I said there's only human leaders. You know, we all have our natural tendencies that we need to live with and our teams need to live with. Mm-hmm. But how can we sort of balance them out? And to your point earlier is maybe it's also not only adjusting your own style to the moment, but then how do you surround yourself with others? So, for example, my last corporate role, I built a... Um, talent acquisition team, I had 17 people reporting to me, but I built a sourcing team, 10 sourcers, um, and I was looking for that manager role that mm-hmm. would be between me and the individual contributors. And I was looking for that personality that was very inspiring and would have creative ideas on how to inspire the team and motivate the team. So together, we would complement each other in terms sure. of personality styles. So you were looking for your proton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And, I, you know, I, I mean, I believe that every great organization has all three, mm-hmm. right? So the, the proton, the visionary, the creative, mm-hmm. the neutron, who's like going to kind of figure out the mm-hmm. math and the projections, and, and then the electron to really make sure that all the obstacles are out of the way. Mm-hmm. Truth be told, Nicole, you're my favorite electron. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think you really I, spoke to... I orbit to... around your proton. <laughs> <laughs> a new Valentine's Day sticker. <laughs> I orbit a Roger Proton. <laughs> but um, I, I think the reason why you're so good at it is that you realize and you have that self-awareness that you talked about, you know, and, and, and the ability to adapt when needed. And, and what that all boils down to me is, is a respect for people who think differently or see things differently. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes great leaders, I think, is, is folks who really can listen, who can adapt, and can you know, see the value 
in folks who are looking at things differently. Hmm. And sometimes we tend to surround ourselves with people who are just like us. Yeah. And so, it's easy. You yeah. Know, it's easy, but, it, you know, so I think everybody needs to take a conscious effort to really look to, you know, how do you compliment yourself? Because mm -hmm. there is weaknesses in your style, even yeah. though you think you're the... You know, workaholic. You everything you do is great. Whatever you know, it's, yep. it's not. It's not true, folks. It's not true, kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like a, a room full of protons. Yeah, may feel good, but doesn't get anything done. Doesn't get anything done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> what are you geeking out about these days? Yeah, so I'm. I'm really geeked. And I've talked about it in the different. Uh, aspects that we talked about earlier today, but I'm really geeked about the power of design thinking in yeah. the people space. So I assume many of you in the tech field know what design thinking is, right? It's a human-centered approach to, it started with product design, now it's used for app design. Uh, the latest iteration is that it's used for patient, so any experience design, service design, and the last frontier really is, if we think about um, talent or employees, as having an experience as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a consumer experience society, but yet when people come to work, they don't feel they're having an experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if we think about it that way, then why shouldn't we use design thinking to craft employee experience? So, uh, and I was introduced to design thinking two years ago when I worked on a client project and the CHO asked me to collaborate with the Innovation Lab. And the Innovation Lab use design thinking as a method. So, mm -hmm. um, and we co-designed a hiring manager workshop and that's when I got introduced to it and I'm like, the power of um, the structured approach paired I think with the collaboration and empathy and truly human-centered approach really mm -hmm. resonated with me and I felt like, you know, over the last centuries we have really, what I always say is rationalized the human out of human resources mm -hmm. because it, it, it used to be a function that was very process-driven, compliance-driven, risk-avoidance-driven, mm -hmm. underfunded. Um, and so we've, we've built these processes and we've rationalized the human out of it, which is kind of ironic because there's human resources. Yeah. But, <laughs> so so I, I feel like this could be a way to bring that human element back in what we do in HR, uh, but also as leaders and, and how we interact with our employees and, and leaders and bring them into the process of designing these programs. Mm -hmm. So I get incredibly geeked about that. <laughs> Love that. And boy, that is really disruptive. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, and so they, like, here's both things coming together. Mm -hmm. like <clears throat> Disrupt HR to be about bringing the humanity back mm -hmm. and human resource, like, Mm-hmm. That's really something. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and how about, oh, um, our, our last question. So this is the, the basket of, of, of things from the universe. Okay. And you just get to pick anyone you want, and I'll pick one, too. I like purple, so I'm going to go for something purple in here. Oh, well, that's red. That's okay. Burgundy. <laughs> Oh, cool. Okay. Maya Angelou. Oh, I'm not supposed to say. No, well, <laughs> see, I'm a driver. I, uh, I uh, race ahead in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what'd you get? Okay, I got. I have found that among its other benefits, giving liberates the soul of the giver. 
mm. Maya Angelou. Yep. Wow. Giving liberates the soul of the giver. It's sort of a precursor of Adam Grant's give or take yeah. notion, right? Yeah. That leaders who give, um, in the end, it seems that the leaders who take are more successful in the short term, but in the long term, it's really not only the, the leaders, but the people who give, um, who reap the rewards in all sorts of other ways. That's yeah. what it reminds me of. I, you know, we like to say that there are make there are those who make opportunities. Those are there are those who take opportunities and those who break opportunities. Mm-hmm. Leaders are the ones who make them. You mm-hmm. know, and, but your your uh, Maya Angelou quote reminds me of the first story you told, um, because mm-hmm. you you come and bring all of your gifts to IC Stars, um, and there it was like you changed her life, and that that's the story that stays with you. Mm-hmm. But this very workshop is a life changer mm-hmm. or a game changer, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you make me cry again. Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's what if we, and, and that's, I think, maybe at this point in my life, to me, it's about impact. What yeah. is the impact that I can, you know, bring back and give back to others and mostly in the workplace because that's what I know. Um, but also to junior folks who are, you know, still figuring out what they want to do. So um, to me, that's very impactful. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and as you can see, it certainly was. <laughs> yeah. All right, here, here's what I want. I got, I got a Warren Buffett. Oh, wow. Look at you. You know, I always thought Warren Buffett and Jimmy Buffett were brothers. <laughs> you know, the Margaritaville guy. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> It takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. Mm-hmm. If you think about that, you'll do things differently. Well, especially in the age of social media, even it's like, I don't know when he said that, but it's compounded now, I would think. Right. It's like one minute, probably, that it takes to destroy it now <laughs> on, so, on Twitter. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it really is something, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean... If we go back to the, um, the, the notion that you brought up about bringing the humanity back, mm-hmm. um, I think that <clears throat> we're at an age especially when we value our humanity and we treat it badly. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I mean, both, constantly, all the time. And yet it's one of the, one of the key skills and competencies that will break us apart from the robots is yeah, what they're saying yeah. right because everybody on the other end is afraid of the robots are coming but our humanity and creative problem solving creativity are these truly humans empathy mm-hmm. at least for the foreseeable future will be our competitive advantage right but we're not investing in them right now enough right. Boy, that's that's a whole nother podcast, right? Like and then, and then we talk about liberal arts education and the vocational training yes. and what's happening. And, uh, oh, this was fun. Always yeah, fun always to talk fun. with you, Nicole. Thank you. Um, so great. I think we've got a lot to think about, a lot of humanity to bring back into our work. I want to thank you for taking the time to do this podcast, but also to take time with that with our interns and change their lives as well. My pleasure. Thank you, Sandy. Yay. (laughs) Well, this has been another BLTNT podcast, and we are here with Nicole Desan, and so glad to have spent this time with you.